Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. So good morning. Um, I also always realize my glasses are dirty every time I turn the camera on. I usually need a friend to let me know how dirty my glasses are. How are y'all doing today? Can you hear me? So happy Mother's Day to all who celebrate and to all our mothers out there. Thanks for joining um, the service today. So it's fun. I, I It's Mother's Day. So there's, look, my friend Lydia did that painting of my mom. She did a whole, whole bunch of paintings of people she knew in the South. <laughs> and of course, my mom, she knew in North Carolina. So there was my mom right there. Also, right there, below that painting, there's a tiny little ring. And it is my mother's ring, and she wore it like on this finger, and it doesn't even fit on my pinky. I wore all my rings today for her. And in that little box, which is for teeth, for um, Minnie's Tooth Fairy box, instead she has a little pin that was a little crown that belonged to my mom that she put in there um, for the Tooth Fairy to see, I guess. <laughs> so, I don't know. I love being a dad, and I love uh, how wild and fun my kids are. So there you go. Let's see if anything else of Moms is back there. Um, signed lyrics from the Tammy Faye musical, I guess. So she's she's always with us. Johnny Cash, who my mom was friends with. Um, there's Chris Christopherson peeking behind there, who also my mom was friends with. And he, Chris Christopherson, um, babysitted my sister why my mom sang once. So he watched my sister while my mom was out on stage singing. So there you go. Um, I don't know if my mom knew Joe Strummer or Public Enemy or any of these alternative folks, but I'm sure they knew who she was. So there you go. Um, yeah, what a week, huh? Uh, happy Mother's Day again. It's uh, very important. Mothers are vital. I, my mother's life had a huge influence on my life and um, her loving. You know, I mean, my dad was always a very busy person, um, but my mom was always, he was very busy as well, but always tried to be there and always showed me love and courage. And, and, and even in times when I was being disciplined by her, the discipline was this idea of, of affirming more people or believing in myself more. Um, it was it was good discipline. It was the type of discipline of of uh, being a better human being. And, and believe me, this was back when spanking existed. And she, we <laughs> were little, here, here, don't cancel my mom because of this. Remember, it was the 70s and 80s. She had a wooden spoon. Remember the cooking wooden spoons? And we used to call those spanking spoons. In my mind, I still see those as spanking spoons. And she would be like, you want me to pull out the spanking spoon? And I was so little, I'd be like, please don't pull out the spanking spoon, please. Um, oh my gosh. I forgot my, I, I couldn't find my glasses and I put two watches on. So that gives you an idea when post-apocalyptic happens. If you want to just destroy Jay in the post-apocalyptic world, just break my glasses and I'm done. All right, there, one watch. Just like a normal human being. Um... Why is Jay so weird? McDonald's coffee, a really big one. Let's cover a few more things about dear old mom before we get into this thing. Um, anyway, I just say, I say all that. Like I was able to have good conversations with my mom. I mean, she wasn't perfect, nobody's perfect. Um, but even like when later conversations in life, you know, we would always be able to sit down and we loved to eat together and have uh, have long, long talks. And we could talk about anything. And um, 
you know, I, it's funny looking back, like, sometimes she would give me this real, like, well, at least they can't eat you, or they can't, you know, and I just wanted to be mad and upset and sad, or, you know, and this encouraging stuff, and, and in the moment, I was like, oh, mom, I'm just mad, you know, but looking back now, I'm so grateful for that, because, you know, one, I, I think maybe some, some, some timing with my kids, <laughs> I learned some bad timing from both my parents um, with, with talk. But also, really what was important is that those are the truths. Those are the truths that last longer. And what I didn't realize is that often our parents are handing us truths that will last a lot longer than, um, than that moment of anger uh, and being in that second of anger. So, oh, we lost some viewers. Uh, probably, not, probably not fans of McDonald's. Um, all right, so here we go. I really gotta get rid of the viewer count. It really is distracting because it's like when people walk out, but you just see it. Boop, boop, boop. Um, but it's Mother's Day. I'm sure they were just headed to brunch, or maybe their mimosa spilled on their computer. Um, so last week we had a pretty intense talk, um, and I think it's important to point out that we don't forget about this stuff. And we we talked about guns in this country, and gun control, and automatic weapons. <sighs> and the death of those families in Texas and, and seeing those pictures online and the horrificness of that. And so I made a, a video, maybe some of you saw it, I made it a little bit of a, a video for social media, just kind of letting people know what the talk was about. And, uh, you know, if they're sensitive, to watch it with a friend. Um, Maybe they can talk about it and and put those videos out there. And I talked about revolution a bit, and I talked about how you know we we really we really long to be people of of uh, diversity um, and diversity of thoughts. You know, not just skin tone and sexuality and things like that, and but politics and belief systems and things like that. And so. I got some pushback just from that video alone. One guy critiqued me and said I needed to take better notes, but it's really funny. If you watch the video, you'll see me lean down. It's because I dropped my notes. But anyhow, um, I love how Facebook people are just the greatest critics in the world um, and forget the people who talk in front of phone cameras are human beings. Um, but also, it was weird the critiques I got. Um, it's wild how many progressives and liberals do not like the idea of us coming together with diverse thoughts and really blame everything on Republicans. Um, it's all their fault. And the Democrats have done nothing wrong. And um, I, I just have to say, like, there was a time where I believed the same thing. You know, I, I, I was like, it's all the Republicans, Democrats, I vote straight down the line. That's all I do. And what I realized is that's not true. <laughs> that both of these folks are capitalist political systems uh, that are very different, might seem different on the surface and may give us a little bit here and there, but ultimately uh, for caring about the poor and the working class, um, we both end up, one will say, oh, our hands are tied, and the other ones will be like, oh, we don't care. You know, but still, it, it, to me, there's not a whole lot of difference. And you might, you know, I've seen people show, like, for those who don't think there's a difference, I'm not a me, I'm not in the middle, by the way. I am super left. I'm more left than most Democrats, okay? So let me just hit you with that truth. So if you want to get rid of me, get rid of me. Um, but the, this is the thing, is that, we, we, we've got these political systems and, and they know how to manipulate us and they know how to keep us divided and that's what their work is. But if you were to look into a lot of our politicians' lives and see where they invest their money, who they really work for, who's donating to their campaigns and things like that, you would see mostly weapons manufacturers, uh, big pharmaceuticals. Um, you would realize like, oh, the reason we don't have uh, healthcare isn't because the Democrats couldn't get it through, is that when those Democrats come in power, uh, usually big pharma and the big insurance companies uh, end up donating to them and lobbying them, and they decide not to do that because they realize, 
oh, well, I'm better, I'm better off if that happens. That, that's just truth. I mean, I, we, I saw Hillary Clinton do it. Uh, we, we've seen, oh, uh, I can't remember right now, the woman who is the, the head of, the, head of uh, the Senate, she did it. Um, so I'm just saying, like, that's the thing. Like, if you look into the facts, if you take time, if you're not just taking it for face value going like, well, they've given us gay rights and these people don't like, you know, if you don't just scapegoat quickly and you take a deeper look, you start to go, oh, we're being deceived by politicians. Shocker. Anyhow. The point that I'm trying to make here isn't how bad politics are, but just how surprised I was one-sided that my friends on the left are and uh, how, how, how angry they got and, and really, you know, they just got at me for saying like, oh, how could you say that about, you know, it's all the conservatives, it's all these people, it's all this, you know, wake up, I have, wake up. I love when they tell me to wake up. Wake up, you're sleeping, you know. And it's like, I have woken up, and I've woken up in a position that's not very popular. I've woken up in a place that doesn't really win great popularity contests with my right brothers and sisters, <laughs> right brother, or my left brothers and sisters, you know, I, I, equal opportunity. But you know what, that one thing my mom was able to do is she was always able to walk the middle. Of course, she didn't talk about it, and that's my problem, is I wanna walk with everybody and talk to everybody and have tough conversations and disagree well, but I, you know, because I talk about it, and the disagreeing well part is what gets you in trouble and gets people to just write you off. Um, and so one thing I would say, interesting enough, is that um, I think I'm seeing a lot of my conservative brothers and sisters be a little bit more willing to sit down at a table and have a conversation. And that's how we change. Um... Anyway, so I want health care for everybody. I think everybody should have health care. No brainer. Boom. There you go. Um, if that's, you know, so there you go. I, I'm, I, I have issue. I believe in gun control. I believe we should rethink the Second Amendment. All that stuff. So, you know, if you want to question my, that's the thing. That's the thing is one of the things we do is we question, we, oh, you're just been red-pilled or you're not really this. And so if someone doesn't, isn't pure, and this sounds a lot like Christianity, if they don't follow the pure rules of the denomination or the political affiliation, we, we just go, oh, well, you're not real, or oh, you're not this. Like, I was watching this interview with uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. And, uh, you know, you hear all this stuff about how he's an anti-vaxxer and stuff. And so he's not a real Democrat. He's an anti-vaxxer. He might as well be a Republican. I was reading all this stuff. And then I started reading everything that he believes, you know, and he's like anti-war, uh, <laughs> pro-healthcare, pro-healthcare for all. Yeah, I started going like everything else lines up to being like this guy's a Democrat except for this and, and maybe this two things here. And it's just funny how legalistic we are in our systems and then we still get mad at religious systems when they seem to be legalistic. Like we don't realize our, our own contradictions and our own hypocrisy. So I think that's something worth looking at. And you might be steaming right now and angry and ready to send a message or send me something, but just sit on it for a minute and think about it. Also remember like if, you know, not using, not, uh, maybe not using profanity when you send me a letter or telling me I'm blind or that I'm asleep and realizing I'm a human being. Those are good ways to have a conversation. What I realize is a lot of us don't even realize how to have good conversations anymore. And I do it too, you know. The guy who told me I should take notes, I sent him a picture of two punk rockers, one given the piss off sign. So I get it. We all get angry and we all have bad days. Um, but on the other side, <laughs> all right, conservatives, I hope you're ready. Um, some gun friends, gun, gun supporters, <laughs> gun lovers, um, made some veiled threats to me. One sent a picture of a person with a gun saying, you will not make it. And then said, how do you see this as a threat? It's just a prediction and a warning. And I'm like, by the fact that you just said it's a prediction and a warning, that is what a threat is. <laughs> uh, and it was scary. And I had people say, you know, you need to contact the police. And I shared it because I wanted people to see, like, this is the, the, the atmosphere we're in where we're not able to have discussion. So on one side, I've got people saying, like, how dare you say this? Wake up. The Republicans are horrible, you know. And, on the, you know, and then they would probably say, oh, see, I proved it. No. But what I'm saying is, no, I'm going to fight for these people. But then the people you're like, we're going to have hard conversations. And then there's some of these people on that side who go, uh, but these people were saying they weren't politically tied. 
So who knows what they are? Maybe they're gun-loving liberals. But there were some threats to my life, and it was kind of freaky. Um, and I really haven't had that type of thing since I was a kid. When I was a kid, that happened all the time because of who my parents were. Of course, I found out how bad it was years later. And then when um, I took a stand for the LGBTQ folks, you know, um, people didn't, they, they hated the gays so much that they thought maybe, well, we should kill people who love gays. It didn't happen a lot, but it was odd when it did because you're going like, okay, I guess it's the levels of sin again. I don't know, you could kill me and that would help, you know, because I was a soothsayer and dragging people to hell. All right. That's where we go there. That was, that was the, the, honestly, that was the things from last week. So one of the things what I want to do is I want to create a space, and I don't want it to be a safe space. I want it to be a place where we do get offended, where we do have hard conversations, and we do argue well. That is what revolution is trying to do, is bring people together and not let our politicians or our social media rule and tell us what to do or our political parties to manipulate us to be divided and say this is who wins and this is who out i i didn't like that in the church and i don't like it in in reality i don't like it in scenes and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today but today is a mother's day talk what how does you do how do you tie all that stuff in um because i'm insane and 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 i drink a lot of mcdonald's coffee that's how i tie them all in together um Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. But what I wanted to talk about, one of the things is, why, why this ties in with my Mother's Day talk is because my mother wrote this book called I Gotta Be Me. And you can probably find it on eBay. Um, it might be on other places, but, you know, this book hasn't been in print since the early 80s. Um, it's Quite interesting, and I'm surprised that my parent, my mom, I mean, I'm surprised that my dad let this book be released because she is so transparent, it's nuts. Like, it's so, like, honest and so real, even about him and about her and about our whole family and about religious leaders. And I was like, oh, wow, this looks like a cute little book. I hadn't read it, really. And then a few years, like, a year or two ago, I decided to read it, and I was like, oh, that's where I the rebel rousing from is from Tammy Faye. Um, and she talks about the need, to, and I'm going to read a quote from her, but I'm trying to figure out when the best time is to read that quote. But right now, one of the things I want to share with you is, is like the pressure to be something you aren't. You know, one of the things that we feel, I think we get in society, in all of society, in all different societies, is to conform. And there's a good reason to conform. I mean, to certain reasons, like if you're a part of a group of people and, and, and you know, you've got to work and hunt. Like if you, let's, let's go back to like, you know, cavemen. You, know, you have to have hunters and gatherers and people who cook and do those things and to be a part of society, you know, so society can survive. So there's a reason uh, for, for wanting people to be, uh, to conform to certain things, you know, to be a part of society because otherwise society collapses. So we need, you know, for society to work, uh, for us to have clean water, for us to have, you know, plumbing and for us to have housing. And I mean, look where we're at now, but you know, like somebody's, somebody's got to make the donuts. Um, right. It's the Dunkin' Donut guy. No, no sweet donuts without him. Someone's got to make the Diet Coke. Um, but it's society, and like I said, it, it's all society. But what we've what's happened is, is we've taken that need to conform, often like panic attacks. Like panic attacks are usually hooked to our to our fight or flight, you know, instinct. But all of a sudden, now we're in a car, and the life is weird, and we're just a passenger sitting in a car, and we're all of a sudden we're panicking like a tiger sitting in front of us, and we want to run. You know, um, our systems get a little broken. Things change a little bit. And I think that's what's happened with peer pressure. You know, and it starts when you're born. You know, I, I, I saw videos of me as a little baby, you know, on television with all these pastors around me like, this young man is going to change America. He's going to bring a revival like no one's ever seen. He's going to have 16 viewers on YouTube when he's 47 years old. You know, 
that one became true. Oh my gosh, it's true. Um, you know, so the pressure starts off at the beginning, you know, and especially evangelicals because evangelicals are kind of like kings, you know, they pastors are, <laughs> they're like, they want their sons to take over <laughs> or their daughters to take over. Um, if you're assemblies of God, you can do that. Um, I guess, uh, not you mainline denominations. You guys are like, nope, we've got to vote. We're not going to have any of this, you know, uh, this in incestual preachers, um, and good on you, really, you know. I mean, had my parents not had of the fall, I would probably be running something really weird right now, and maybe I would be a weird dude. Who knows? And it starts with you know, your kids when you go to school. And if you, I mean, I, you know, uh, are your shoes real? Like, I mean, my mom loved sh bargain shopping, but the thing with bargain shopping is she would sometimes like... Look, honey, I got these at Kmart, and they look just like those checkerboard vans you want. I'm like, but mom, they're not vans, and they got their World Cup written on the back, and if I wear the World Cup shoes to school, people are going to make fun of me. Even though they look exactly the same, I'm going to be made fun of. Right? You know, because that's how kids are. Kids are petty, you know? My son, just recently, he loves these hot chips. They're like these blue-colored hot chips, and... And he, he, he loves spicy food. My son's seven years old. Milo's seven years old, and he loves spicy food. And so I was like, I'm going to be the cool dad. I'm going to put some of these spicy chips in the bag. Um, and, and, and we're gonna, he's going to take these spicy chips. <laughs> Someone just said they got off. That don't worry, they're just getting off to order the book. Um, my mom's book. And so he was really... You know, I was like, hey, did you get those spicy chips? And then he got really emotional. And he's like, my friends were saying they're bad for me and that they're, you know, only people who are, you know, unhealthy eat these chips and blah, blah, blah. And, and they, they're disgusting and they made fun of me and I feel really, really bad, you know. And which, <laughs> how, how, it's such a bizarre, different world than I grew up in because like back then it would have been like, oh, dude, you got the crazy chips, you know. Now it's like, uh, my mom, who only lets me, you know, eat <laughs> fresh vegetables, just says those are bad for you. So my son was shamed for the for the hot, spicy chips uh, that he had. And, you know, being a problem solver, I just bought him different types of chips that didn't look blue or like those chips, and now he's happy. But the fact was, it, you know, my point is, is it starts very young as children, and we're mean to each other, and and, you know... Um, we want people to change. And it's so weird how we want to do it. It's so weird what we consider liberal and conservative. It seems like we interchange constantly, you know? It's like, remember like when we, we the warning al albums, like, we're going to have warning labels. And it was like the, the liberals who were like, we're going to have the warning labels. And it used to be like liberals were like, man, do whatever you want, brother. You know, like right now it seems like more liberals are like, we've got to go to war and... And, and go to protect Ukraine, you know, and then, you know, we used to be the no war group of people, you know, no war, no, no war for any reason, you know, and it's weird to see how groups of people change their convictions, you know, and so my kid is at school and is probably some kid with some hippie type parents saying, oh, we can't eat those, buddy, you know, so my son cried over chips, whatever. So it starts when you're a kid. I was a chubby kid, so I was made fun of. So I literally have an eating, I struggle with eating disorders to this very day. Like I'm freaking 47 and I still struggle with it. My, and it's with parents. Cause my dad, I remember my dad used to say, don't feed Jamie Charles, don't feed him. Don't feed him, you know? And so in my mind, it was like, oh, I'm fat and I'm just, and I have to be on TV and I have to be seen by all these people. And so, so my father was telling me, you know, you've got to fit a particular image. Media was telling me, my friends at school were saying, hey, fat ass, catch up, fat ass, you know, that type of thing. To keep up with, you know, I had cool clothes. I tried to dress like Don Johnson. Like I was like Miami Vice, cool, but I was chubby. So it's like chubby. Went pat, you know, <laughs> trumped Miami Vice, I guess. Um, and it's funny because a lot of my parents always took me to Sears to go shopping because they were, you know, I kind of grew up normal. They were kind of like, like they had money, but they took me to the places that they went. Um, school, like where well, that was the point, the school, you go to school, you don't have, I remember my parents bought me a, 
a Michael Jackson jacket, but it was like a Sears one. So it was like plastic and it didn't have the chain. It was just like fake metal here, but it had all the zippers. And of course, is that the real one? Oh, that's fake. Oh, you got the Sears one. Oh my God. I mean, it was just like, when your kids come home exhausted, there's usually a good reason. Cause freaking schools are crazy. And this was a Christian school that my parents ran. You know what I mean? And I was still getting shit every day. Um, and friends. Friends can peer pressure you. Now, for me, I'm introverted. And I usually only have one or two, maybe three really close friends at a time. And um, because I've never done well with peer pressure. You know, I remember like in high school having this experience at, Christian youth group and coming back being like, man, I just feel like I got to follow Jesus. And all my friends were like, my best friend was like, I love Jay just the way he is. And all my other friends were like, oh, we should, we should hang out with him. I mean, if he's a Christian, that's going to be kind of weird. Now, of course, a few weeks later, I drank a beer and then my Christian's friends said I wasn't a Christian. So I was like, well, I guess I failed. I'll just go be cool with my friends again. But that's the, where the, you know, the pressure starts. And this is going to get a little bit harder. Okay, this is obviously I'm saying stuff that we all know, but we're about to get into some areas that a lot of you may make you uncomfortable because uh, unfortunately, I just like to make people uncomfortable. No, it's not that I like to make people uncomfortable. I don't because I, I, I am a recovering people pleaser. Um, it's that I like to be honest and that I, I really do try to be me and, and speak the truth because I, I know that I'm the only me that, that exists and I know you're the only you that exists and that we all have different things that we have to be and we have to be true to ourselves to provide our best work. And for me, this work is much like my art and what I do. So I try to be as pure with it as possible. Um, not just because Jesus tells me to, but that helps. <laughs> um, jobs, you know, once again, you remember like when you didn't, remember, nobody had tattoos at jobs. <laughs> Now you go to places and people have tattoos. It's just people got enough. Enough people got tattoos that jobs couldn't be like, you can't work here because they're like, oh, we're going to get somebody to work here. We're going to have to get the guy with the face tattoos. I mean, the other day I did, I went to a restaurant and the guy's whole face was tattooed. And uh, I was like, this is crazy. Like we won this one, eh? Um, and some people are like, I'll just remember the days when you had to, you know, and there's still places like that. And I get it. You want to feel a certain way. You want to go to Disneyland and you don't want to think about politics or, or body modification, I guess. Um, I get it. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, you get jobs and you have expected it to be a certain way and to act a certain way and do a certain, I mean, my job at the record store was a lot different than my job at the Gap, you know? I remember one time I came into the Gap and, and my manager goes, hey, can I see you for a second? And I'm like, yeah, sure, what's up? And they're like, your shirt looks a little worn out. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, but this is one of our shirts. Look right over there, it's made to look worn out. She goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. She's like, I, I didn't even realize we sold that shirt. And I was like, yeah. And then she's like, oh, okay. I didn't even realize it was one of our shirts. You know, I, she has a job to do and her job is to make sure we look good, you know, even when it's one of our own shirts, um, you know, politics and religion and certain things at work are probably best left at the front door, to be honest with you, um, for some jobs. Anyway, this is my job and, and it's pretty cool. So I can talk about stuff and I can, I get in trouble, but I take the brunt of that as well. But jobs, um, and church, man, church was the biggest one. Church for me was the always conform. And, it, and, and the problem with the confirmation of uh, conforming uh, at church was this idea is that like God, I've disappointed God if I don't conform to the, to the ways of the church. That's how I thought. Like I was a young person, so I, I, I didn't really read the Bible. I didn't understand the theology that well. And so it was just constantly needing to conform. You know, I talked about it a few weeks ago in my talk where it was like not First Academy material. Like my Christian school made me think like God must just be completely disappointed in me and hate me. You know, and then my friends at the youth group kind of didn't help either. And the youth pastors didn't really help at all either. You know, so, so that was tough. You know, um, didn't feel like I fit in. And then, you know, I, I forced myself into the church. But even when I was just preaching grace and I was going to like all these great music festivals, these Christian music festivals that were really cool and awesome. But 
the leaders would often come up to me and say, you're, you know, that grace message, maybe you need to balance it out, you know, with a little bit more about, you know, condemnation. And <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound like good news to me. And, you know, law, you know, Jay, it's, it's got to be balanced out here, you know. And, um, and, and um, I don't know. When people write in caps, does that mean I'm being yelled at? Am I being yelled at? I don't know. Um, so I have no problem with standards. I'm not preaching badly against standards for the comment there. This is not saying we shouldn't have standards. I get it. If I go to a nice play or things like that, I'm going to dress up. I'm going to wear a nice clothes. When I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't care if you wear pajamas to the airport. I never wear pajamas to the airport. Okay, I always kind of just wear what I like to wear. I'm always comfortable. I don't like to. I have a way I like to dress, and that's how I dress. You know, when I go to a big event, I dress properly for that. I do that. You know, I've got these things that I grew up with in my life. I like fashion. I love fashion. I love an excuse for fashion. I like the idea of dressing up for certain things. I mean, like looking nice for a date and cleaning my car. You know, I'm not saying we have to like tear down the walls. No, I just don't, y'all, I'm sorry. I just don't understand the cap locks, okay? But I appreciate, I did see your talk there. And you can be a part of conversation. So the part of my, what I'm trying to say is, I'm not saying we get rid of social norms. What I'm talking about is the pressure to be toe a line, to toe a line to be the perfect Christian or to be the perfect worker or to be, the perfect liberal or to be the perfect conservative or to be the perfect punk rocker or to be the perfect, you know, hip hop guy and to toe all the lines and do all the customs to be the perfect cholo, to be the perfect, you know, whatever. These are all scenes that I love and respect, you know, um, to be the perfect Muslim and to be the perfect, whatever, you know, to fit in this box. And what I'm saying is human beings, we're never going to do that. And we'll have to live lies. And that's why my critique of the politicians earlier in this talk was, is them saying, you know, hey, healthcare for everybody until they get in. And then they realize like, oh, well, the, you know, the, the, these health, the, these insurance companies are going to give me a million dollars for me to run again. So maybe I, if, as long as I don't talk about Medicare for all, so maybe I should just, you know, and, and the big farm is going to, you know, told me they would give me money if I talk about a single payer situation being that and that we can have kind of like a small type of insurance, you know. Okay, so, well, maybe, you know, that's the thing is like people get bribed and people get, and they get, you know, to not tow lines or to tow lines and to be perfect. So sometimes our, even our convictions are bought off. For me, it was like, I was told if I didn't conform, I was going to go to hell, you know? And what I'm saying is these are the type of situations that we, we need to look at and be honest about. We need to be real about. Um, so towing the politically correct line. You know, what politically correct meant in the 80s became different in the 90s and is now different, you know, to what it is to be PC. So, in your community, do you toe the line? What I, like, I, I live in, um, in, in federal housing, okay? I live in, I live in government low-income housing. And what's great about this is there's just so many different types of people together. And our community is so different. And we're a lot of different people living amongst each other. And uh, so, you know, we have black, white, Muslim, Hispanic, um, uh, you know, different religions, Hindu, you know, and we're doing laundry together and we're in a community and we're able to tell jokes and respect each other and just live. And, you know, and sometimes there's people who, who, who go off on each other, but, but we were able to, now I give you this, there was somebody who hates my our apartment complex so bad that they pulled a whole thing of like a giant flatbed truck of garbage with just wooden crates into my into our into our parking lot, and I was like, "Is this? Are they doing weird construction?" And then the next day, it was covered in uh, tires. And then what we realized is that someone's very angry at this community and is going to light a huge fire in front of our apartment, behind our apartment complex in our parking lot. And so the police had to come and all this kind of stuff. So 
you know, sometimes people overreact. All right, I, I, uh, I digress. You know, so you've got communities who are like, be like us, but then you also have scenes. Now I wanna hit this, like the punk rock scene, like you have the punk rock police, okay? You have people in this punk rock community. I subscribe to the punk rock ideals of life. Um, but this shows that I don't even do well being a part of, because you have people who are like, oh, that's not punk rock. You can't do that, it's not punk rock. You know, um, for the love of God, um, uh, Johnny Rotten wore, who's now John Lydon, P-I-L, boom. Um, boom. Wore a shirt that said, make America great again. And I guess he liked Trump. And everybody was like, screw him, he's, he's, he, they called him racist. You know, they said, oh, he's, he's not punk rock. He's a fake punk rocker. You know, I'm like, okay, first of all, like there's a part of punk rock that would not exist and post-punk that would not exist about this person, but you're kicking them out and judging them. I went to a punk rock flea market and they were selling shirts that said, fuck John Rotten. Okay. So, and it was kind of, now they call them racists. Now I've read all of his books and listened to all of his stuff. He raised two of his kids that were mixed children. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he it, what Don Letts is a Jamaican guy from England, who is DJ, who is one of his best friends. You know, it's just weird because we, we, what we do is we grab one thing and then we make these assumptions and then we say, well, you don't belong, you don't fit here, okay? So the punk rockers do it. The conservatives do it. The Christians do it. We all do it. So what I'm saying is that we have a battle to be ourselves constantly. Now, my mom wrote this book, let's see, in, I believe it was 1978 was the first, yeah, 1978. So I remember being in a Christian bookstore 10 years ago and there was a book, uh, I, I would always, you know, I always like to buy books, just anything. Like I would just love to buy, look at books and figure out what's great. And I saw a book that had a, a, a Brian McLaren quote on the back and Brian McLaren is a friend of mine and I usually trust his judgment and everything. And so I got this book and all of a sudden I look in this book and this guy goes, and there is this book and it was called Gotta Be Me by a Tammy Faye Baker. And how unchristlike is it? to be, say you gotta be yourself and not die to yourself and talking about how unchristlike my mother was. <laughs> Did not finish the book. Um, Cause I have, I even have my own line of, of just, you know, hey, there's a boundary there. Um, and I was really bummed out about it. So, you know, there's always this, you know, be different. There's this, you know, even the folks who wanna be different and be unique, want us to be different and be unique like us. So do you want to belong, you know? And I think that's often the question we're asked by communities, by people on social media. Like, will you, will you hate the same people we hate? Will you hold sacred the same things that we hold sacred? And what I found is, is the more divided we come, it seems like the less area for nuance is allowed in our world. And why I'm saying all this is because I'm trying to say, this, like on Mother's Day, is this is kind of something my mom taught me, is nuance is important. Like, you know, there was a time where my mom was like, oh, no, I'm going to vote for George Bush. And I was like, okay, mom, but let me tell you why health care is important. And I sat down and we had, and she goes, I never thought of it that way, honey. You know, like, yeah, that's what it means. You know, because we had a conversation. You know, and she didn't sit there and judge me. She didn't sit there and say, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's all about one issue. Or it's this or that. You know, no, we, had a, we just had a conversation. That's what made my mom special. Not just all the crazy makeup and that she loved gay people. I mean, that was a big part of who she was. But also is the way she was willing to have conversations and talk to people and love people and hear hard things and love her enemies and practice grace towards people who, who despised her and hug people who said mean things to her in public. You know, she had these things. And so that's what I'm saying is kick against the, the standards a little bit, you know? I know if I'm gonna get a job that requires me to wear a suit and tie every day, 
that if I show up in a t-shirt and shorts and they're like, you're fired, I know that that's my fault. And I'm not like, oh man, they're a bunch of squares, bro. <laughs> squares wouldn't let me work. It's like, no, that was my fault. I didn't do what I was required of me and that's required of me of that job or that, you know. Or if I join a group or an organization and they, I don't do the right thing, you know. I'll get kicked out. I've been kicked out of a lot of groups and organizations, especially Christian groups and organizations. Um, but a lot of these groups, like, you know, one of a lot of things that I saw when I was in high school in Orlando, Florida, when I saw a lot of my friends who joined the skinhead movement and the, and, 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 and the, and Nazis, not, not, not the, not the, not the anti-racist skinheads, were actually the original skinheads, but you know, the Nazi skinheads. And, and a lot of these guys were just sad guys who did not feel thick to fit in. And they wanted to belong and they wanted structure and they needed something to like in their, and, and, and I mean, they were like people who go to church often. They were just like, listen, man, if I just do what they tell me to do, they like me and I get to go to parties and I get to hang out with people and I get to meet girls. and. You know, and, and, and so I have to hate these people because I would sit down with some of these guys and be like, why do you, like, why, I, it doesn't make sense to me. And they wouldn't fight, they didn't beat the crap out of me, I guess because I don't know why. I had some favor with people back then in high school. I could talk to almost anybody. And they would just be like, no, bro, it's just, this is what we believe. And they would give me some dumb excuse because they did, didn't even know themselves. But what was obvious to me, it was like, they just wanted to be loved by a group of people. And if that meant, hating another group of people that, so be it. They wanted to belong. That was part of the pressure. Uh, and, and, and what's evil about that is that people use that pressure to manipulate people to come in. Now, that's what I want to talk about. That's the hard thing I'm talking about. Is So when we go and say, well, this guy's not, you know, this guy is a late vaxxer or this person is, you know, this or that, you know, this person doesn't, so they're not in, they're not part of us. We're using the same methods. They're not real. Oh, they've been red pilled. Like I remember asking somebody, like, "Listen, like, should I trust big pharmaceuticals and the government like together?" Like everybody tells me, like, I, I was talking to somebody about this, somebody I trusted and knew really well, and, and they're like, "You've been red pilled, bro. Have you been red pilled?" I'm like, "No, I just, I, I've always thought I was supposed to question the government and big pharma. You know, big pharma's killed friends of mine because of medications they allowed to be on the streets." You know, I, I just have a question, you know? You're not an anti-masker, are you? You know, I mean, it was like all of a sudden these were the, it wasn't about what you thought about economics or war or inflation or communism or <laughs> capitalism. It was like, you know, vaccination and masks and, and, and this type of thing was all that. Now, I'm just using this as an example because it it's so close to what we've all, we all went through this, you know. Um, well, they just don't give a damn about people, even though some people thought like, well, it's, these things could hurt people. That's why they were not doing it. You know, we're, oh, they must hate people. They must hate the elderly. I mean, these are the type of judgments we put on people for not falling in line. You understand? So what I'm saying is if we're even going to disagree well, which I realize is a really hard thing to do because I just talked about revolution off the cuff in a video and conservatives got mad at me because of the guns and liberals got mad at me because of the conservatives inclusion, you know, and it was like, I was like, oh, like, I guess if we're going to start talking about having a hard decision, maybe we have to stop, start talking about tolerance. You know, we used to talk a lot about tolerance. Remember, like, oh, we've got to be tolerant of one another. Um, and now it's not like, we've got to be tolerant of one another. It's like, we've got to accept everyone exactly 100%. And if we question it, we're in trouble. There are people I do not question or talk about because I know I would be canceled in a second. That's the, that's the society we live in. That's the pressure, you know? And these are the things I saw my friends in, in these skinheads going through is like dude i just I, this is the line i have to tow if i don't tow the line you know and i can't get out because it's like a gang you know and you feel this on social media you see i mean people are just so petty on social media you know and, and if it wasn't part of my career i don't think i would be on social media but i needed to help promote what we're the work we're doing here um and and so the, the threat becomes is 
Do you want to be outcasted? Do you want to be outcasted? I mean outcast, an outcast. So when I say, do you want to be outcasted? <laughs> and the reason I said, you mean outcast, is because a lot of these times what people are doing is they're threatening us that they will make us an outcast. If I don't pull the, the liberal progressive line, I'm an outcast. If I question this, I'm an outcast. You know, I've posted things before and I've had friends talk to me and like, hey man, if you know, you might want to think about taking that down because people might think you're like conservative. Oh, geez, what? You know, or you know, you might want to take that down because people might think you're anti this or anti that. You know, and I'm like, well, no, this is just a nuanced thought I had. I thought it was funny, like I laughing at my own group or my own scene or my own, you know, political party. You know, oh, you gotta be careful. Like it's like 1984. We're like whispering at each other, like, be careful, they'll find you out and you won't belong anymore. I don't want to be like any part of that group. I don't want to be conservative. I don't want to be a Democrat. I don't want to be Republican or Democrat when I have to be, when I'm being schooled and watched by everyone. I don't want to be an ally if I'm having to be watched and seen and told you have to do this and think this way and be that way. So what I try to do is be a friend to people in different communities and support them and support their life. But as soon as I start getting these demands and these things put on me, I have to go, I'm going to have, if it, I, I need to think, can I think? You know, when do we become so legalistic and so shrewd with rules? You know, when did our conditions become so strict? When did we lose the, 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 the nuance, you know? Um, you always hear about like, oh, they're a, they're, a, they're a financial conservative, you know what I mean? Which means like they're like pretty much liberal, but they vote conservative over finances, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So conditions, though, is the fact is we all have them. We all have cutoff things. Like me, when I was reading that book about the guy with my, and said the thing about my mom, I was like, done. You know, I was reading uh, the, guy, what, the guy who wrote the What's So Amazing About Grace. He wrote another book where he used my parents, parents as an example. And, I was, and he was one of like, my favorite writers at the time. And this was like 25 years ago. And I'm like, oh, done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have areas that I've done at, you know what I mean? If you, you know, I, I'm not going to go like, Hey, I want to hang out with the Nazis and we're going to have a good time. You know, no, I'm not. There's things I'm like, no, no, that's not cool. And I'm going to say, this is, this is bad. This is wrong. You know, or I'm anti LGBT, you know, I'm heterosexist. Like that's not cool. We don't like that. That's not, we need to change that. That's misinformation. And we're going to have to have a lot of tough conversations about that. So there's those things that I will talk to you about. And we'll confront, and those things that we'll say, like, this is, you know, but I don't have, I, I'm not a community. I'm a person. This is, I call this a community, but it, with diverse thoughts, like, almost anybody's welcome. Sometimes we get people in here who are angry or want to bully each other and things like that. And I've watched you guys have great reactions to that. Um, but, I mean, I've been bullied by humanists, you know? So, I don't know. I must just have, the, like, the face for being, like, treated like crap. You know, like I've had humanists make fun of me and tell me I wasn't welcomed and blah, 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 you know? So it's like, uh, and I've just got too much of my mother in me. And this is why I'm, why I'm celebrating mom on Mother's Day to my Tammy Faye, my mommy, mama, bear, on, on, and with this weird talk is because I gotta be me, you know? And only when I am me, am I able to change and grow. That's grace. See, when we did the Tillich talk a few weeks ago saying you accept that you're accepted, you know, yeah, that grace is, is, is connecting with oneself again. It's when we connect with ourselves. It's like this experience I had when I was uh, in my in early, like 20, 21, when I kind of got this idea that, you know what? I'm covered by grace no matter how drunk I get all the time. And at that moment, I realized I have an alcohol problem. It wasn't that moment, but a few days later, I was like, oh, I think I'm a drunk and I'm miserable when I drink. And I joined a 12-step program and haven't had a drink since that day. But that came from me going like, saying, I don't care if people tell me I'm going to hell because I'm drunk. I don't care if people tell me God's mad at me because I'm drunk. It was only when I was like, I don't think God cares. God loves me no matter if I'm drunk or not drunk. It was that grace moment 
that allowed me to make a decision in my life to change and be me and be a better version of me was that when that self-acceptance came along, when that grace, I gave myself enough grace from everybody else's thoughts and my own thoughts, you know, because I would also always tell myself, I'd go out and chain smoke, oh, you're such a piece of shit, oh, you're so horrible, oh, you're such a bad person, oh, you're such a failure, you should just kill yourself, you know? And I had to shut it down. I still struggle with those thoughts, but I had to shut it down and give myself grace and through that grace, I was able to change. So this is why self-acceptance is important to me. Not just because you're like, I can make everybody happy and mad at the same time. <laughs> you know, um, I can tell everybody to piss off and that they're cool. You know, that's not it. It's not having your cake and eating it too. You're not going to have that. This is not a, it's not an easy life, you know? And I saw that. I, I think often if people really noticed pictures of my mother that I, I would see a lot and I asked I did. I asked uh, uh, um, Jessica Chastain about this a little bit. I said, do you ever notice like in a lot of photos of my mom, she has these very sad, heavy burdened eyes, you know, and she did. And we talked a little bit about that and it was really personal. So I'm not going to go too, too deep into it, but she had, my, my mom carried a lot of sadness with her. And she, when she was on medication, she didn't have that guard up and she would cry a lot, but those tears were serious because it was like, it was like all of a sudden, the dam came down and so people were oh tammy faye's always crying i was like because well, you guys make fun of her every day and she really loves people and she really loves you who are making fun of her and so when she's on like a ativan or a volume that kind of takes down the locks those the, takes down those defense mechanisms that she has the tears come you know and she feels it because there's so much conflict going on in her own in her own heart because this isn't the work that's easy to do so what, what do we do with, with, with all of our boundaries? You know, my analyst told me about boundaries is that it's good to have boundaries, but it's good to put like a, a door and some windows in your boundaries. So, you know, you're always open to maybe opening a door or opening a window. You know, boundaries are good, but boundaries shouldn't just be a wall. You know, there should be a doors and windows on your boundaries, which I thought was really interesting. And it's really been good for me. And so like with my father, like I, I can remember texting my dad after uh, that session where I, we talked about that. And I said, Dad, my door is always unlocked and open. So if you want to come in, open the door, knock on the door, it's always there. I, you know, I can't work. I can't yell out of the window anymore. I can't, I'm, I can't try this anymore. It, it just, it's, it's, it hurts too much. But if you want to come this way, that door is open. Um... So I guess my thing is, how do we lessen it, you know? How do we put the door in to some of these areas? How do we lessen these, these, these certain things, you know? Um, how do we, like, not go for the jugular or question someone's loyalty to their faith or, or their, their political party or their, some of their convictions, if they have nuances, if they have difference, if they have contradictions that are more obvious than our own contradictions? How do we do that? That's what I'm asking. let's lessen them, you know, and, and I'm asking all of my friends, I'm asking all of you, as a matter of fact, I'm begging all of you, like, let's do our best to lessen these conditions and these ways of shaming people and these ways of telling people that they're not in or they're out if they don't follow these certain situations. The church definitely needs to learn that. And yeah, but now it's like, so do the freaking Democrats and so do the Republicans and so do the freaking you know, I don't know, maybe the Green Party does too, and so does the, you know, the um, Libertarians, you know, I mean, it's like, hey guys, guess what, we're human beings with nuances, we're not all going to agree, you know, um, can, you know can, can we have like a, a measuring cup so we can, hey, look, I've got, I've got half of that, I'm a, oh, a little bit better than half, so I get to stay in, right, you know, I mean, it's like, what about nuances, there's going to be, I have friends who are atheists and think I believe in freaking fairies, you know what I mean? They like think that God is as real as a, you know, as a fairy or a dragon, you know? I've got people who saved my life who are Republicans, who've saved, helped save my life, who are close friends and helped me in my life, you know? 
It's nuanced, it's hard, it's different, it's complicated, it's messy. But I think life works best with a little bit of a mess. All right, so the Bible talks about dying to ourselves, okay? That's one thing I, I want to mention. Is the Bible talks about dying to ourselves. And that was the thing that the guy was talking about, Tammy Faye, I gotta be me thing. And, um, but it's yourself. But it also says love doesn't demand change. Love doesn't demand its own way. Love is not irritable to keep a record of when it's been wrong. Love never gives up, loses faith, or loses faith, always endures through every circumstance. Love covers a multitude of sins or failures or disconnections or separations. So we have all that, which is really beautiful, you know. Sorry, I'm going late, folks. Um, this is recorded, so you can listen at any time. Um, so when it's talking about dying, I think it's talking to ourselves, about us, about revealing grace and realizing, like I did with my drinking situation, that this is hurting me. This is something that is a conflict. And I'm kind of like, feel all this pressure. But when I realized it was about me in this situation, I was able to put it down. You know? And am I perfect? By no means. The Bible also says, do not judge or you will be judged. You know, there's all this stuff that we can pull out. A big way, really, is it, really what I'm talking about is, is it's when we're questioning, when people are questioning our loyalties, you know, and telling, you know, and we're telling them that they aren't really one of us. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. It, it bothers me that we, we, we have this issue of, of, like, you know, this thing where we, we, we accuse people of, of not really being one of us, and that's our way to own people now. Like, that's an own. Oh, you're not really, you know. Next time someone does that, you should just be like, oh, that's a compliment. Um, so I'm going to read this quote from my mom. So those of you who, who made it to the end of this long rant and talk conversation this Mother's Day, this lovely Mother's Day conversation, I'm guessing not many Mother's Day's sermons were uh, the same as this one. Um, as as you, you made it to, the, to me reading a section of my mom's book. I said to Linda, that was Linda was one of her best friends when we were kids. I said to Linda, when I was a kid, I said to Linda, so help me, if you ever leave me as your friend, I, so help me, Linda, if you ever leave me as your friend, I don't know what I would ever do you have to have that one person you can trust, that one person that you can scream and yell at, and they still love you. Linda knows I scream at my kids, <laughs> but she doesn't think I love Jesus any less. <laughs> I think we need to quite trying to be perfect people. People need to accept people as they are and not try to change them. This is why there's films and plays and documentaries being made about my sweet little mother. <laughs> As these, these simple ideas that a lot of people, oh, that's just simple to know. Oh, you know, Jerry follows like her elevator doesn't go all the way up to the top. You know, I've even seen very progressive ministers. Gosh, I wish I could remember the name of the guy that she was on that TV show with. Spong, even Spong treated her like crap. I was like, oh, he's like, oh, <laughs> Sammy, <laughs> you know. So, you know, there you go. Um, so she, but she still loved him, you know. People need to accept people as they are, not try to change them. Linda doesn't try to change me because she knows I gotta be me. Jim doesn't try to change me because he knows I gotta be me. He loves me when my armor streaks. Now, if you catch that, she said, when my armor streaks. Her makeup was her armor. And I remember, I did say Spong. And I remember, um, I believe it was Spong. Was it Spong? I can't remember. It might have been. I think so. Um, I remember she, she came up to me right before she passed. And um, she touched my tattoos. And she goes, this is your armor, just like my makeup. Yeah, man, you don't expect it because we often, you know, people wouldn't expect people like that to be harsh to my mom, but it's really funny because, and his, I think he just had a generalization of who she was like a lot of people. And, uh, you know, 
I think the thing to remember is not that he's a bad guy. It's just that our heroes are often human. Like I see people praising friends of mine or some who've passed and things like that. And I see what they're saying. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice to see. But I know the truth, you know, and it's like, you know, we're all humans. We all fall short. You know, we all make mistakes. I mean, the same as me. You might one day when I pass on, you might hear, oh, I heard he was, you know, but he's also kind of messy and insecure and, you know, and. I'm trying to get a new place. Okay, I'm gonna stop. For, I'm. I'm. I, I've applied. I've made my eviction notice here. <laughs> my vac vacancy notice, not eviction, eviction vacancy notice, and I'm moving near my kids. And it's taken a lot of sacrifice to do this. It's gonna be really tough, but I'm doing it. And man, I'm a mess doing this stuff. Like trying to like talk to landlords, fill out paperwork, do all this stuff. It's like I can study theology and philosophy and love it, but man, then I got to do all this stuff. I just go. I'm a mess, you know, I'm just a mess. Texting my friends, oh, I don't know what I'm really freaking out here. What am I doing, you know? All right, let's get back into my mom's talk. Jim even loves me when my armor streaks. And then I was saying my mother used to say that my tattoos were like her makeup, that it was our armor, our defense mechanism. And it's funny because it's just on the skin. It's not real armor, but it's funny when you weigh, even when you betray yourself or if you have something or if you feel comfortable. And that's always in my fashion. Goes, just, if you feel comfortable, and what you're wearing and what you have in it. You're wearing it and it's not wearing you and you're able to walk in and just, you know, so whenever I'm speaking somewhere, I would just put on what I feel most comfortable in. That's, you know, um, you know, I'm losing my hair, so I wear a hat, you know, and it just, I feel more comfortable with a hat on, you know? So sometimes at churches, people don't like that, but I'm like, listen, I'm gonna give you a better talk if I have my hat on. It's just, it's like my whoopee, it's my comfort blanket. Um. So he loves me even when my armor streaks. And I think that's what we're asking is, will you love me when my armor streaks? You know, uh, can we love each other even when our armor streaks? Even when our, you know, our inner liberal shows, our inner conservative shows, our inner atheist, our inner humanist, or, you know, our inner Tao, our, our inner evangelical, or, you know... Our inner heterosexual white male, you know, when those things go through, will you still love me when I'm not perfect, you know, and and will it not be made into a mountain? Can we still love each other when our when our armor when there's chinks in our armor, you know? So he loves me even when my armor streaks. He loves me with my failings just as he loves me with when I do good things. That's kind of like a parental love, right? I told Jim many times, one of these days, I am going to jump out and be totally me. Regardless of what anybody says, I am going to be me. I have started doing that lately on TV. If the audience doesn't like me, it's okay, but I gotta be me. If I want to giggle, I'm going to giggle. If I want to cry, I'm gonna cry. I am what Jesus made me. That's why I had to call this book, I Gotta Be Me. So be you. We'll make allowances and show you grace. That's what we're trying to do. And show grace for other people who are struggling to be themselves as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. Um, as always, I have to do this, <laughs> um, especially with moving and everything now. It's crazy. Um, we have to raise funds. That's how I get paid and how we pay our bills and how we pay the people who help us pay our bills. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> and our taxes and all that stuff. But you can go to revolutionchurch.com and there's a support button. Um, ironically, the Venmo button is not working. We have spent two weeks trying to get that thing to work and it still doesn't work. And um, I'm literally paying people to try to get that thing fixed and it's still not fixed. And we've got uh, Josh also volunteering and doing that and trying to get it fixed. And it's still not fixed. So we're having this horrible time with the Venmo company. And it's cost us a lot of time and stuff. But you can donate through PayPal. And uh, it's greatly appreciated because it does. It keeps us going and you, get a, you can get a tax write-off. So there you go. Um, if that's what you're looking for, that helps a lot too. Um, <sighs> bless you all. Grace be with you. Allow for each other's nuances and uh, work at being yourself and accepting yourself because only when, through true acceptance can we be who we're supposed to be 
and can we change in to that which we are destined to be <laughs> there thank you so much see you next week happy mother's day For listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.